You will have noticed that uh, we're doing put-offs in our sermons. Put-off. We've had a sermon from Peter Amos, put-off pride. We've had a sermon from Steve Wilson, put-off laziness. We've had a sermon from Terry Gill, put-off bitterness. Today I have been allocated put-off complaining. And so, the question I ask have to have to ask you today is, am I a complainer? Please don't all shout together. And of course, as I ask that question of myself, I'm hoping that you too will ask the same question of yourself. Are you a complainer? Are you a whinger? Paul writes to the church at Philippi and he suggests this to them. Do Everything without complaining or arguing. So that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. That's in Philippians chapter 2. It would be nice, wouldn't it not, to shine like stars in our depraved generation here, not in Philippi, but in Australia. It would be nice, wouldn't it? It would be nice to be seen by the outside world as blameless, pure children of God, wouldn't it? Instead of some of the ideas they have about us. So the first step is quite obvious Quit complaining. Now, Steve has written something in the POI that I think is excellent in support of this. And we've just had a song in support of this, so I feel well supported here. And I'd like to read to you what Steve says. If you haven't read your POI, if you don't get it on the email, there's probably spare copies up there for you to grab. But if you want it on your email, please Get it organised, because this is what he says. Complaining, murmuring, muttering, whinging, dissatisfaction, these things seem to be more and more common in a society of people increasingly giving themselves over to an exaggerated sense of entitlement and victimhood. Identifying a problem and its causes is one, one thing. It's a good and necessary prerequisite to the solving of any problem. But complaining is something else. And resolving the latter is simple. Don't complain about things you're not willing to change. I like that. If you change those things of concern, those things of concern for the better, you'll have nothing to complain about. You may be thinking that sounds a bit simplistic, says Steve. After all, there are some things we seemingly cannot change. That's very true. But from a Christian perspective, there is still no justification for complaining. And I think theologian Reinhold Niebuhr, who lived back in 1892 and from then on, nuanced this complexity of life very well in what has become known as the serenity prayer. 
God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace. Taking, as Jesus did, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever and ever in the next. Amen. Proactively living by faith, says Steve, trusting and obeying, says Steve, leaves no room for complaining. Thank you, Steve, for that. Most of us today, in this room anyway, are committed Christians. A majority of us have been baptised into Christ and are trying to live a new life, serving God rather than serving self. So let's just remind ourselves a little of this new life. Romans chapter 6, don't you know? that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. Count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body. As those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. Now there are several passages in the New Testament which talk about putting off the old self and putting on the new self when we become Christians. And the analogy is one of taking off old clothes and putting on new clothes. I remember having a lot of fun with this when I was preaching in India. Some of you know we've been to India on several occasions, southern India, and we go around, sometimes Abraham, the man, Abraham Lincoln is his name, uh, which is obviously a taken name for somebody admired in the US and uh, he is doing great work there, really great work which we still support Um, but we don't go anymore to India but amongst other things he's got about 45 congregations around the place where he lives Ilulu and on some occasions we go round preaching and he takes a white skin with him because for some reason he likes to take a white skin with him sorry because for some reason the rural people there still think a white skin is something special. I don't believe that's right, of course, but that's what it is. So I give little sermons which are about 10-minute, 15-minute sermons, and then he translates it into Telugu, the local language. And in some occasions it, it gets treated, it gets, um, it gets translated a third time into a tribal language, which really makes a 10-minute sermon, a 30-minute sermon quite easily. But one of the sermons I had, and of course if you're going around speaking at three 
congregations a day out in the bush. Um, there's going to be a repeat ser- sermons. I'm not going to have a fresh one every time. And he gets to like some of the sermons. He says, oh, please preach the one about the taking off and the putting on of clothes again. So I'm preaching there and I'm talking about taking off the old self and putting on the new self. And I have a coat that I do that with to demonstrate. And Abraham brings a coat and he translates as I go. So everybody is taking off coats and putting on coats. And we, Abraham and I, are chuckling away to each other because we think it's a lot of fun. Um, but that's what I recall about taking off the old and putting on the new. In Ephesians chapter 4 it says this, verse 22 onwards, You were taught with regard to your former self, Sorry, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And in Colossians chapter 3, rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, sorry, it's being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. In the image of its creator. Did you notice that? In the image of its creator. That means in the image of God. We've been created in God's image. I've been created in God's image. We need to try and be like God. We need to try and be like Jesus, whom God sent as an example for us. Be holy as I am holy, says God to the early Israelites. Be different as I am different, he says. Set yourselves apart. Be holy because I am holy. Leviticus chapter 11. And then Peter reminds us in the New Testament again, be holy because I am holy, Peter reminds us. We are called, and that's First Peter chapter 1, we are called to be holy. Paul reminds the church at Corinth in his opening words of his first letter to them. Have you been called by God? I won't ask you to raise your hands, but have you? Then... If you have, we need to get rid of the old and embrace the new. The Corinthians had a big problem doing that. Do you? Do I? One of the main things every Christian needs to do if we're trying to be holy is to put off the old self and to put on the new self and to make a real effort to get rid of the old way of life. It's hard though, isn't it? It's hard. I struggle. Some of the things from my earlier life and from my life in the community outside the church keep creeping back into my Christian life. I seem to find it difficult to put off some of the things that I know are sinful, that I know are not pleasing to God. Paul also struggled. 
So we're in good company, I guess. Listen to what he says. And, and just remember, this is Paul, the Apostle Paul, whom we look up to, a disciplined, spiritual Paul. And listen to what he says about himself. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, in my sinful nature. I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. This is Romans chapter 7, those of you that are flicking through your Bibles. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. I see another work I see another law at work in the members of my body, says Paul, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am, says Paul. Who will rescue me from this body of death, asks Paul in Romans chapter 7. And then he says, And here's the crunch line. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Where would each of us be, including Paul, without the amazing forgiveness that Jesus offers us because of what he has done for us through his sacrifice on the cross? Through his blood shed to cover all our sins. We must keep this in mind when we continue to sin. But we must also remember that God wants us to grow by putting off the sins that bug us, putting them off. Now the sin I want to focus on today, as I have been allocated, is the sin of being a complainer. And in many ways I think that complaining often leads to several other sins. How does complaining start? I think it starts by criticising. Being critical of another person or of a situation. Now, as an illustration, I'm going to pick on an individual here. An individual in our midst today. And anybody who knows anything about public speaking will tell you, especially my wife who's in there teaching, will say, never, never do that. Never pick on an individual. You're going to embarrass people and you're going to hurt people and blah, 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 blah. Well, she's right and the coaches are right and I'm a naughty boy and I'm going to pick on someone. And I choose to pick on Steve Wilson. Let Let me tell you about Steve Wilson. I really like Steve Wilson. He is one of the guys I would go to for advice. And I'm seriously enjoying hanging with him. He comes to my place every so often and we play chess and we talk. Quiet, calm, collected Steve. Well, most times. And he is kind of like one of my heroes a little bit and the relationship is growing I do believe we enjoy each other's company now what do you think will will happen if I start to criticise Steve here we go 
Doesn't that guy Steve know that if he, when he goes 15 minutes extra at every time he preaches, he's disturbing my life. I need to get my chicken dinner on a Sunday. What's his case? Does he think he's got that much important things to say? Why can't he be like me? I never go over time. Stop looking at your watch, Ray. <laughs> and the way he says your, your, instead of you. Have you noticed that? What's he trying to do? Is he trying to be posh or something? Now, what do you think will happen if I continue to criticize Steve? Well, one thing is obvious. It will lead to relationship breakdown. It absolutely will. And one other thing is obvious. Other people, you guys, will hear me criticizing and party politics will follow. Criticism is so destructive. It's unnecessary. And what does it achieve? Hurt is inevitable. And it's so easy to criticize. It's always easy to find the bad points in another person. And some of us just like doing that. And I have to point out here that it's just as easy to find the good points about any person or situation. Some like to make a physical list with a pencil and paper. Try making a list with bad points on one side and the good points on the other. We'll take a person rather than a situation here. Yeah, take a person. Which list is longer? Now that exercise will tell you more about your mindset than what the other person or situation is like. A man called Bob Abney, and some of us know him, once got three of us together and challenged us with this exercise, asking us to openly discuss our lists together. And one of those three people is sitting here in the audience looking at me right now. Well, the results were most illuminating. There was quite a big explosion. Some of us don't like to be criticised. James Thurlow Truslow Adams, there is so much good in the worst of us and so much bad in the best of us that it ill behooves, don't like that word, that it ill behooves any of us to find fault with the rest of us. How true that is. Have you ever sat next to someone who chooses to tell you what he or she doesn't like about a third person in the room? I have, in this very room actually. It makes you feel uncomfortable, doesn't it? You kind of want to get up and move away because rather than make some supportive comment. Remember those early Israelites coming out of Egypt led by Moses. In spite of all the miraculous events that God provided, they still, still found reason to complain. They complained to Moses. But to whom were they really complaining? They were complaining to God. Wow. Do I ever complain to God? Do you? Whinging, grumbling, complaining and criticizing are character traits I really need to shed if I'm going to be 
an effective Christian. And especially if those traits are exercised against my Christian brothers and sisters. Complaining can easily become a habit. Also, complainers, you might have noticed, are very often, usually, selfish people. Don't grumble against each other's brothers, or you will be judged. This is James, the brother of Jesus, speaking. The judge is standing at the door, says James, the brother of Jesus. James chapter 5. If I put off one set of clothes and do not put another set on, I'm going to be pretty vulnerable, especially in the southeast Queensland winter. So what clothes should I put on? Is there an antidote for complaining? Well, surely thankfulness is a very important item of clothing I need. I should put on thankfulness. Walking around with an attitude of gratitude, thankfulness to God for the abundance of good things he has lavished upon me will bring warmth and joy to my heart in the depth of the coldest winter. So, I want to finish with some personal remarks to Steve Wilson. Steve, I'm very glad that God has put you in my life. You are one of the gifts that God has given me that I really appreciate. And I plan to do my very best to try and not complain about you again. The lesson is yours.